Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. Sales of electric vehicles are going like gangbusters, sales increasing faster than many expected. And while most electric vehicles continue to be charged at home and at fleet depots, public charging is still a critical part of the mix. But is the growth of public charging keeping pace with demand? What are the key issues in the, the charging network sector? Well, I'm joined today by three colleagues who can provide us with a range of perspectives. The founder, co-founder of Greenway, a leading builder and manager of charging infrastructure in Slovakia and Poland. The co-founder of ZapMap, the UK's leading app and digital platform for EV charge points. And our in-house Delta EE expert. Let's get on and say hello. First, Peter Vadik, co-founder of Greenway. Hello, Peter. Hello, John. Hi. Very nice to be here with you. And thanks for joining us. Peter, some of our listeners won't know of Greenway if they're not based in Slovakia, Poland, I guess. So can you describe uh, your company in a sentence for, for our listeners? Yeah, indeed. The, the Greenway is a CPO and EMP uh, active in uh, two countries, as you said, Slovakia and Poland, where we are the market leader, the largest provider of the charging public charging services focusing on mostly on the fast charging services. Okay, and uh, for those that don't know the, the acronyms of CPO and uh, EMP, uh, can you just describe them? Yeah, indeed. In, in, in the charging business, in public charging business, you have typically uh, three roles uh, which you need to follow. Well, one is the, the, the owner, the, the, someone who invests into the charging infrastructure. Then there is someone who manages uh, the so-called charging point operator. So it's someone who uh, basically connects to the device and has uh, some kind of IT capabilities to understand uh, what's happening with the charger, stop start session, stop session, and so on and so forth. And then you have these last last uh, function is EMP, so or electromobility provider or electromobility service provider. Depends on uh, there are various uh, various terms for that. And that's someone who has a contract with final customer. So someone who uh, basically has typically via some mobile phone application and a registration uh, has a direct contact uh, for for the driver and typically as well process the payment. And and the Greenway is a company which basically fulfill all these three roles. So we own the charger, we manage the charger, and we have as well the contact with the, with the customer. Okay, and uh, a few facts and figures about your company to help our listeners get an idea of the scale of what you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are working in a in a central and eastern Europe, which is uh, very typical with still quite a low penetration of electric vehicles. So in a, in our countries together, there is something around twenty thousand electric vehicles at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we have the network of uh, about five hundred uh, chargers. About uh, the two thirds of these are our own investment. One third is the investment of what we call the third party, so mm-hmm. restaurant or shopping mall decided to invest in the charging infrastructure and we are acting as a CPO as those guys who are look uh, having these, these challenges in our backend system sure so so we are the market leader here and yeah. we have about 28,000 registered customers so basically everybody who has electric car in our countries is registered in a, okay. in a company 
And presumably, Peter, plans to, to keep growing quickly as uh, the number of EVs keep growing. Yeah, it is. Thanks, Peter. We'll come back to you shortly. Um, let's uh, say hello to our second guest, Melanie Shufflebotham, co-founder of ZapMap. Hello, Melanie. Hello. Morning. Nice to be here. Thanks for joining us. Um, likewise, for those uh, people, um, I actually use ZapMap. I drive an electric vehicle in the UK, so I know your company well because I'm a user. But for those of our listeners that don't know ZapMap, can you uh, describe what you do? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So ZapMap is a is primarily an app for EV drivers, electric vehicle drivers. And what we do is we aggregate all the charge points across all the different charge point networks or CPOs into one place and then enable uh, drivers to be able to search for available charge points to plan their journey on a longer journey and also pay for charging um, on participating networks. And we also have a great community of EV drivers who add crowdsourced data and information. Okay, so from what Peter described, those three roles, you're that last role. Yeah, exactly. I think we, we could be described as an EMSP. That's one of my favourite acronyms in energy <laughs> transition, EMSP. Um, it rolls off the tongue very nicely. Um, and Melanie, a few facts and figures about your uh, about ZapMap? Uh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, in, in the UK, there's around 400,000 pure battery electric uh, drivers at the moment, growing really fast, which is great. Um, ZapMap has... Um, over the years, had over 600,000 downloads of, of, of ZapMap, and we have over 300 and I think we're about 330,000 registered users. So most, the majority of, of electric car drivers in the UK use ZapMap. Um, we, in terms of the network in the UK, there's around 30,000 public charge points out there. Mm-hmm. And that's across all sorts of different different charge point locations from restaurants to on street to service stations. And of those 30,000, around 5,000 of those are the high speed, the rapid or the ultra rapid yeah. chargers. So that's sort of the, the, yeah, the charging network within the UK. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Melanie. And let's say hello to our third and final guest, uh, my Delta EE expert uh, colleague and char- uh, EV charging expert, John Murray. Hello, John. Um, John, I mentioned at the beginning that EV sales are growing fast. How fast at the moment? Really fast, John, is, is the short answer. Um, and even faster, I think, than even the most diehard evangelists were predicting even just two small, short years ago. To get so, uh, John, our, our forecasts, which, well, I won't say they're always right, but uh, even faster than our forecasts. Well, even faster than our forecasts two years ago, and, and we, we revised our forecasts a year ago, and, and they've stood up pretty well, actually, in the last 12 months. But to give you some numbers, um, in 2019, in in each of the top three markets in Europe, so, so the top three car markets in Europe, so that's Germany, France, and the UK, um, around about 3% of new car sales were electric, so that's both fully electric and plug-in hybrid. Yeah. Um, now, last year, 2021, those numbers have grown to 18% in France, 19% in the UK, and 22% in Germany. So huge, wow. just even in the last couple of years. And we definitely see that trend continuing, even growing market shares in, in the years ahead. So, yeah, if you visualize uh, this hockey stick-shaped curve with this inflection point, we are past that inflection point now. And the, the curve's going to keep going steeply upwards. That, that inflection point really started in a big way uh, in 2020, um, even in spite of COVID and perhaps yeah. before COVID. Um, you know, that's really accelerated the transition to electric. Yeah. 
Okay, thanks, John. Um, now, I'd like to ask all of you, uh, one by one, what you see as the top three issues in the public charging sector. Uh, thinking about all these new EV drivers coming onto the uh, onto the road and what will be necessary to give them all a great experience when they need to charge uh, publicly rather than at home. Um, Peter, let, let's start with you. What would be your, your top three issues from your perspective? Mm-hmm. So if, if I should name the first issue from the perspective of EV drivers, I think there is a lot of work for the whole sector to work on the interoperability and to basically ability to uh, charge your vehicle uh, in different networks very smoothly. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think this is something where we as an industry has to has to grow. Uh, I think we have a good uh, uh, example in telecom where it was not mm-hmm. so smooth several years ago, but uh, I think after several years now, basically, we, I think we, we, we have a really smooth experience. You are really yeah. not have to think about even roaming issues and other things. It's, it's, it just worked very smoothly. And, we're, not, and, we're not there yet in the, the EV sector. By, no, by no, we are not. Yeah. But, but honestly, on the other side, we are much younger. And, and I don't yeah. think that the telecom industry have been in any better shape uh, uh, before yeah. in, in our so that's age. Your, that's your number one. What's your number two? Number two, I would say the big challenge is definitely when we look on the increase of the charging infrastructure going forward will be the, the, the network DSO. And I, I think uh, not only not because it's going to be like a technological problem, but I somehow feel uh, and I complain about it quite often that the DSO are not ready actually with their processes to support uh, the fast uh, rollout of charging infrastructure and, and electrification in general, not only the charging infrastructure. Yeah. So the distribution network companies, just the yeah. processes, the connection procedures, they're just too slow Absolutely. in your experience. Okay. Absolutely. They were not ready for such a such a type of new connection. Basically, yeah. we need to build in a few years so many connections that we have built before in 50 years. Uh, yeah. And this is this is a, a not so much a technological challenge. It's rather organizational challenge in my view. Yeah. Okay, so that's the second one, uh, connecting to the distribution network. And last uh, challenge? And last uh, challenge is, I would say, uh, maybe I, I, I see it as a kind of as well opportunity to develop for our industry, for charging industry, and uh, who, who are managing the charges, the, our capabilities in energy management. So basically how to really use this uh, huge opportunity of the huge number of uh, batteries on the wheel connected via our devices or devices which we manage to the to the grid and how these electric vehicles can be not only the burden as we said in the second yeah. point but and, and and challenge but they can really bring the value to the energy system in terms of the flexibility and i think mm. this is the, something which we need to look forward i love that point and someone described it to me once as solving their own problems so yeah charging of electric vehicles can cause challenges or problems to the electricity system but with that energy management approach you decide uh, describe that smart charging it can solve their solve their own problems and more or some we, of their own problems and more we need to go through the short-term challenges and then we bring the huge value yeah thanks peter so interoperability uh connecting to distribution networks and energy management or flexibility uh melanie what what's your top three challenges or issues in the, the public charging sector? Yeah, well, I think we're at a really interesting point in the market as we're talking about the, the growth, in, uh, growth in EV drivers. I think up until now, 
we've been primarily early adopters or pioneers in the market. And they've very much been uh, very keen on, on their EV. They've done lots of research. They've really educated themselves. They understand mm. all the different types of charging. And I think now as we get to the mass market, one of the key challenges in charging is about communication and being able mm. to sort of ed- educate uh, or be able to communicate these new terms, new technologies to you know, sort of standard drivers as they start taking up the technology, which is something that we see all the time from, from feedback. Um, mm. I think so that's sort of a communication thing. I think secondly, it's in sort of a related point is that not all charging is created equal. So I think one, one of the issues is people go, oh, public charges, there's not enough. And in a way, that's a meaningless kind of comment because... Um, there's all sorts of different types of charging. What does not enough mean? How how many is the right number? And primarily, there's two key types of public charging. One is the one that most people think about. You're going on a long journey. You mm. want to go from A to B, and you want to find a reliable high-speed charger that you can you know you can charge up as quickly as possible and get get on with with your journey. And then on the other side, there is um, really the for those people who don't have off-street parking, a kind of replacement, some kind of base-level charging, whether that's at work, whether that's on street in a residential charger, whether there's some form of community charging or there's a community charging hub. So I, so I think to me, it's about really people understanding there's different use cases and, and different needs in those different sectors. Um, and so then I think that's linked a bit to your communication point, I guess, because it's, it's talking in a language that isn't necessarily about rapid, high speed, high powered, you know, what's the difference, how many kilowatts, but yeah, talking yeah. about the, it in a way that people really understand and can relate to. Um, yeah, I think so. And I think in, in the, it, it, it is, I think once you're embedded in the industry and you, you know, you understand what a kilowatt is and a kilowatt mm. hour and a CCS and a Chadamo, it, it's, 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 it's not difficult, but coming from looking at pence per litre or, or your, um, tor- you know, di- different different horsepower or something of your your standard car is is very confusing for people. So yeah. and I think we in the industry underestimate that. So yeah, so I think yeah. communication is is you know is really critical. Yeah. Um, and then I guess my my third point is is around um, e- ease of use and reliability. So um, the charge point network is rolling out at a very good speed. However, there are some legacy chargers in the ground and they do have some reliability issues. So mm. For me, it's about being able to help EV drivers find where the where the reliable charges are, easy access. You know that that links to to Peter's point about interoperability. So you know yeah. it's about people turning up at a charger and not having any anxiety about how do they turn it on, is it going to be working? Um, and actually, when we look at the charges, the vast majority of charges are working fine, but there are a few which are not, and that you know that can cause people people issues, I guess. Yeah, and I guess if I think of all the times I've charged my car, uh, almost all without any problem. But the one that sticks in my memory is when I had about 20 miles left and I was at a motorway service station just north of Birmingham. And I'd taken a bit of a gamble in going past the previous one to this station. (laughs) And I turned up and there were two chargers. So I thought, great, if one's not working, the other one will be fine. And I couldn't get either one to work to begin with. And I was thinking... Is where what do I do? Is there another charger within twenty miles? Luckily, one of them worked, but it's that sticks in my head yep. far more than you know. It's only one charge out of thousands that I've made, yep. but it's 
Uh, John, if I, if I may have a comment, I think this is definitely, if I add, can add fourth challenge uh, to, to, to my list, mm. I think that's exactly this. And I think we need to set the, the expectation very high and the, the quality bar should be really set high. We in a, uh, in a company try to manage the availability of the network always above 99.5%. And uh, every challenger has to be connected, has to be supervised. Uh, if something goes wrong, there needs to be someone who takes care very high level of the of the uh, hotline services. So basically the service which is able to solve the problem to the people. So not, they are not only calling and saying, yeah, well, there is a problem. Sorry, we'll, we'll fix it tomorrow. But someone who can online solve your problem. I think this is something which, uh, which needs to, as an industry, uh, set the expectation on ourselves very high. And is that something that will solve itself? You mentioned these legacy charges, Melanie. There's a lot of old charges out there. Will that solve itself as they get replaced over the years? Or are there better processes needed by CPOs who are managing these charge points? Or is it technology, the better remote fixes? And what, or is it a bit of all of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think when we look at, cause, because we, ha- we can see the utilization on 70% of the network, and so we can see at any point in time how many are available how many being charged and how many are out of service and we look at we, we, we look at the charges that have been installed at you know the rapid charges that have been installed in the last 12 months versus the ones that have been installed a long time ago and you mm. can absolutely see a big a big difference so you know yes i think this will work it work its work its way out and i think also it it's such a new industry and in that, that we don't yet have the established brands but the the some of the networks as charge point operators who are doing a good job have already got a good brand within the ev drivers and i think that that you know that will continue and people will start to um well you know they already do they they identify networks that they know are reliable and they will increasingly get more and more utilization so i think the market will do it to a certain extent but of course you know and then technology that the the charges are getting better Uh, the 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 operators are are realizing they need to have a really strong maintenance policy you know all all of those things yeah the phone number if you phone up the phone number on the charger someone needs to answer within a decent period of time even simple things like that i guess um john in terms of your We've had Peter's three challenges of interoperability, connecting to net electricity networks, energy management flexibility, Melanie's communication, understanding the different types of public charges, and reliability and easy use, ease of use. Your three reinforcing any of these or adding to them, or which what, what would you what would you pick out? Yeah, I mean, uh, for my three, it's sort of consistent with what's already been said. Um, so, I mean, yeah, for, for sure, there's the issue of the reliability of the infrastructure. We've just talked about that. I think it is improving that there's some way to go. Um, but like I've been said, you know, it just takes one bad experience to be the one that people mm. focus on. Um, so I think there is more work to do, but there's already been a lot of improvement, I think, of legacy networks being updated and, and old charge points being replaced. Um, so I think, you know, the whole industry is on a, on a journey. We're still in the foothills, actually, of where we'll, we'll get to in five, ten years' time. There's already been a huge amount of progress being made, uh, both in terms of the quality of the kit that's been installed and just the, the number of charge mm. points that are available for users. Um, I guess an, a, an additional point is around, I guess, the fee structures, the payment structures, um, which are available. There's different types of offers out there. There's pay per kilowatt hour, there's pay per session, there's pay per time. 
um, that you've mm. got monthly subscriptions that you can sign up to. Um, so making that simple for a new EV owner that's, that's not engaged necessarily with, with electric vehicles and energy, making that mm. communicative, like Melanie was talking about, in a way that's simple and easy to understand is going to be a challenge, which I think is is really important. And, and again, where there's been improvements, but still more to go, I think, as yeah. an industry, to make these challenges really easy to understand. On that point, Peter, how how are you structuring your payment charges and your fees? Uh, is mm-hmm. there a trend you're moving towards or a direction you're mm-hmm. going in? Mm-hmm. I, I would let me comment on two two ways in that. The first one is that the in, in the principal way is that uh, basically we need to find a way between or balance between uh, saying let's use the one structure for all and uh, giving the companies who are providing EMP services. So some kind of a freedom to articulate the best product for the customers, best way how subscription model, rates and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, we may have uh, uh, various offers on the market from OEMs, from EMPs like us, from, from specialized EMPs. But what I think is very critical that once you get subscribed to some of the, of your, of, of the product, you, you, you have then afterwards, you have very clear price transparency when you are using your, your provider. So uh, we introduced in a company several years ago, the approach which is quite common in the uh, telecom industry, which is called the Rome like at home. It was even, even pushed by the legislation, at least in Europe, I'm not sure exactly how does it work in the UK, but in Europe, basically, if, if you want to subscribe to your program with the, with the telecom operator, you, are, you can travel across the Europe and you pay the same fee. So you, at, the, at the first stage, you, you, have, you can choose between the operators, what's the best program which fits to you? Do you want to pay per, per as you, per as you go, <laughs> or do you want some kind of a subscription? Do you want this kind of package, another kind of package? But once you are there, if you are using various infrastructure but various partners by roaming, you shouldn't be affected by the fact that there are different prices. So yeah, okay. So rather than turning up to a charge point and having to read the details of pricing structure, how does it work on this particular charge point? you can just take your package to that charge point. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. you subscribe, you subscribe, and if I, if, if you say that you are paying XYZ for kilowatt hours, you are paying it across, across every charger which is uh, capable to be started by your identification tool. So, yeah. So, yeah. And so that's, that's the, like a principal uh, uh, answer saying that let's move to the price transparency where, where people do not have to really worry about the exact price of a specific charger when they are traveling. Mm-hmm. And second thing is how we are structuring our offer, and that's basically uh, definitely kilowatt hour based. Uh, uh, there is some minute per minute charge where just basically only to distract the people who are just staying longer on the charger, so uh, give them the incentives to move away. And what is important for us in a, in a recent one or two years is really start to constructing the packages. So uh, being able for customers to offer uh, after some recurring revenues, some re- payment, let's say they pay nine euro a month, uh, certain discount, certain number of free kilowatt hours. So really moving much more towards the the the, the telecom-like industry where you. Mm-hmm. Where you choose your package, you say this is what I what fits to my needs, and then I I, I can forget everything else, so I don't have you, to worry anymore. 
you've talked quite a lot about the or mentioned a few times the telecom industry as a uh, an example how briefly do you feel you're at that point now as to where the telecom industry is today or how long do you think it will take the industry in your part of europe to get to that point no, I'm I'm using that because I I feel there are many many synergies between or many similarities and and uh, but I still think that obviously the the charging industry is a standalone industry. It's not a yeah. part of utility. It's not a part of the oil and gas industry. Yeah. It's a standalone industry, and I think we are definitely lagging behind that. We the telecom as we know it is, 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 is uh, mobile telecom business is here for last twenty years. Yeah. We are here for three years. So but yeah. we are moving I think much faster. So. I strongly believe that within the 10 years, we can be somewhere where they are in terms of the usability, user experience, uh, interoperability, uh, yeah, even a consolidation yeah. of the market. Melanie, do you have any thoughts on that? It ties in a bit with your communication. In terms of, in terms of pricing? Price, well, pricing, the experience that we have in the telecom sector, you know, how you and I use our mobile phones, the pricing plans we subscribe to, the communication, really interested in, you know, is it still too inward looking, the sector, until too many charging network professionals talking to each other rather than uh, the the new wave of EV doctors who are not, not geeks or early adopters? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, you know, certainly our whole focus is we're constantly thinking about the EV drivers. We're not, we're trying to think, okay, We've got lots of technology under the hood, but what is it that the EV drivers are, are, are seeing? Mm. Um, and I think when we talk in the industry, there's lots of new brands that are coming into the EV sector who, you know, who are who are new to it, and they're immediately going. Lots of education is needed. So I, you know, I think I think generally people understand that there's a lot of education that, that that's needed. I mean, in terms of the pricing, to me, that has improved a lot in the last few years. In that now, if you look at the main networks, nearly everyone, and I think actually everyone that I can think of off the top of my head has a per kilowatt hour price, which is displayed to the user. And the UK government has mandated there has to be a way that you arrive at a charge point and you are able to access that charge point without any membership. I mean, mm. the implementations are either better or worse, but you know, a lot of the networks have done a really good implementation. You can have contactless payment. It's very clear. So... To me, the pricing isn't isn't a major issue um, because there is now a lot of per kilowatt hour pricing in the UK. Yeah. How and the question I asked to Peter, I'll ask you this in a sec, John, as well. If we want to get to a telecom sector like experience, um, or an experience where um, you know my sister, who's not interested in energy at all, wants to drive an electric car and understand charging easily. How long will it take? How, John, you talked about being in the foothills. Uh, Melanie, how long do you think it will take to get to a point where it is really, really easy to understand in the way the telecom sector is today? I mean, I think we're, we're well on our way. Um, I mean, to me, the, the, one of the key things is this sort of simple cross-network payment. Mm. So that's something that we get lots of feedback from EV drivers. That's what they want. Um, so that is why we introduced ZapPay. So that's the idea of that is that you can use ZapMap app and you can go to any charge point and you know, use the app to pay. And then you can have all your bills all in one place. And so that's particularly pertinent for fleets, but also uh, sort of e consumers also, also want that. So I think that that is in the hands of the charge point networks 
to what extent they are prepared to open up a little bit more mm. um, and be interoperable and, you know, you know, realize that this is something that that drivers really want. A, a, they want it as simple as possible. You know, yeah. they don't they don't want to have lots of different apps and lots of different cards and different memberships. They just they want to be able to turn up, pay as you go, and and have a have a simple payment system. Yeah. John, how long is it going to take to get from the foothills that you described to the the top of the hill, top of the mountain? Really, not that long. I think. I think by the middle of the the decade, so in the next three or four years. Uh, it will be a little bit different in different countries. Um, we've got uh, each country's on its own sort of growth trajectory, um, but I think you know across Europe in most markets by the middle of this decade we're going to be in, in a much better position where interoperability is not so much of an issue anymore. Um, you know, people have talked about that a lot in the last couple of years about having lots of different RFID cards and wallets, mm. and, and the industry is just a bit clunky. Uh, that is not the future. You know, the, the, the future is going to be one where um, we, we've all got apps uh, on our phones. We're using one or two networks. They're all interconnected, and um, probably in, in a lot of cases, or most cases, the, the apps uh, that we use or, or the, the, the platforms that we use are, are installed in the car themselves. So you can just mm -hmm. log in the car. The, the, the car will talk to the charger, um, and the user doesn't have to do anything on a sort of you know charge to charge basis. And the, the, the communication protocols are already set up between the, the network and, and the car, and, and it's a very friendly, uh, easy experience for the drivers. And and that feature is still we're still not there yet, but I think that that will come fa fairly quickly in the next mm. two or three or four years. And, and I think what's interesting on that is that Tesla drivers do have that experience. So they, so what what we're aiming for is this sort of Tesla-like experience across the whole network. And Tesla has the advantage; they own the cars, they own the charge point, they can get the communication protocol between them working fine. But of course, you've got many, many different charge points, many, many different cars, and you know, the, the communication protocols need to be worked out and um yeah but but i think that plug and charge experience will come and that that will be a you know a great day yeah that's like thanks go on peter yeah, no, i just wanted to add that it, 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 it's a learning process as well on the on the charge point operators that's uh, uh being industry for almost 10 years and i know that we need to shape our views, our our ideas. Uh, uh, there was a time where it was very protective. Every network wanted to be closed. Uh, the, the the roaming costs to have been really huge because just they don't want to lose the customers. Uh, and and this kind of behavior is not not present anymore. And I think it's much more open world. And indeed, I think we will need to see as well some kind of a consolidation. So we will need that basically a lot of small networks will probably will join together. And uh, then the, with a lower number of, uh, of, of a players on the market, I think the agreement around all the roaming stuff and technical interoperability would be much, just much easier. Well, it sounds like we're moving quickly in the right direction in this sector. Uh, more to do. Um, but I think it's really exciting to see it move from a, an industry where there's a lot of early adopters and these sort of challenges that you've just mentioned, Peter, to, to one that it provides a much more seamless experience for, for customers. Um, which takes us on to our uh, bringing out the talking new energy crystal ball. And this week, I'm going to set the dial to 2030. And the question I prepared, I think we sort of touched on. So uh, but I'm going to ask it anyway and see how you answer it. So in 2030, from an EV driver's perspective, 
Can you each illustrate your hope for how easy it will be for them to charge in 2030? And you could illustrate that with a particular journey type or, or in whatever way you want. So I think we've touched on this, but um, keeping it brief, 20, 30 seconds each, maybe how describe what it will look like from a customer's perspective in 2030 to use public charging. Uh, Melanie, let's start with you and then Peter and then John. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, so I guess by then, um, majority of cars will have, a, electric vehicles will have at least a 80 kilowatt hour battery. So they'll be able to do, be able to do 250 miles with ease, maybe more, but, but I think that will probably be the sweet spot. They'll be all high speed charging capable. So be able to charge at, at least a, a rating of at least 200 kilowatt, again, maybe more. So that means they'll be able to uh, charge up in in 15 minutes from zero to to 100%. I c- I can envisage on the public charging network that, that we'll increasingly be shifting towards hubs with imagine these lovely futuristic hubs with 20 high speed uh, chargers there with places you can relax, have space for meetings, have a quick ho- coffee. When you're planning your route, you'll have lots of different options. You'll be able to choose the quickest, the cheapest, the most reliable, the lowest carbon, all from within your car car dashboard. When you arrive, you'll have this lovely plug and charge Tesla-like experience. And then when you go home, or if you have to plug into a community hub, you'll be taking your energy from your solar panel on the roof. You'll be charging off peak and you'll have a total integrated bill, which shows you your public charging cost and your home charging cost and splits out any work or fleet charging that, that you might have and highlights your carbon footprint. And then I think actually probably in reality is that quite often you won't be driving your electric car. You'll just be pressing a button and dialing up an autonomous electric car to, to take you where you want to go. I want to be in 2030 now, Melanie, after that. <laughs> I know, <me> too. <laughs> Peter, how about you? Yeah, I think I need to join my crystal ball with Melanie because I think that uh, we share uh, to a large extent the view. I think the customer will be able to subscribe to one one EMP, one provider, uh, choose the contract which will be the best fitting for them, and uh, basically uh, then forget everything else and just be able to travel across uh, the. Europe and across the, the, the many countries and, and uh, basically use the charging infrastructure, which at that time will be uh, much more present. Uh, we will see the fuel range from the AC chargers to large charging hubs. I hope that we will take the, the as well the employer on the board. So providing the charging for the, on the workplace for employees will be very common and you will be basically, even if you do not have a, a place at home to charge, you can rely on the on, on the fact that it would be a nice standard for every employer to provide the, the possibility to charge the vehicles for their employees. And uh, yeah, and maybe uh, I, I, I truly believe that at that time already we'll, the charging industry will be on, or electromobility industry and the charging with, with it, within it uh, will be in a, such a scale that uh, we will be already providing the flexibility for the energy grid so we will be important part of the energy transition and basically supporting the uh, transition to the renewables because i i, I truly believe that uh, we cannot achieve the high level of uh, decarbonization of the energy industry without electric vehicles and active participation of electric vehicles and charging yeah. i agree peter i think that last point is critical and uh wish we had more time to discuss that today but this idea of smart charging flexibility Uh, we've got to be able to capture that in a way that works for the electricity system and works for customers. Indeed. Um, 
John, anything you'd like to add that you'd like to see in 2030 or you think we will see in 20... Yeah, you think we will see in 2030? Well, yeah, I mean, just building, I guess, on that nirvana that Melody and Peter have just um, so well described, uh, I guess, is the concept of dynamic pricing. So we've talked about that in the Mm -hmm. home already, but also I think we'll see that in public where the the price that you pay for using the public charging uh, varies and perhaps throughout the day, depending on uh, the demand. So you get cheaper rates in the evening, perhaps, than you would during peak hours during the day, uh, maybe pricing depending on the, the fluctuating costs of wholesale electricity. So it, you know, if you're a customer that can be flexible about when you plug in your car mm. and using that public infrastructure, you can benefit from really cheap prices, which I guess is, is related back to that point around using electric vehicles to support the grid and actually provide yeah. a benefit to the grid rather than just drawing from the grid all the time. Yeah, someone once said to me they would love to see charging uh, being advertised at a negative, you're being paid to charge. So, you know, rather than having to pay uh, £1.30 a litre for my, my petrol or diesel, I could see a service station sign that said, we'll pay you to come and charge now. Yeah, so, <laughs> brilliant. It's uh, possible maybe in the future. Yeah, yeah. it's not such a such an alien concept, I think. No, Um Great. Well, uh, time's got the better of us. Uh, I think we could have carried on this discussion for a long time and unpack more issues, but we'll leave it there for now. Um, Melanie, Peter, John, thanks so much for joining and sharing your thoughts. I've really enjoyed that discussion. Um, listeners, I hope you really enjoyed it too, and it sheds some more light for you onto the electric vehicle charging uh, space. And the, the best of luck to Melanie and Peter uh, in getting to that 2030 Nirvana. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much. It's going to be an exciting time in the next years. Thanks very much and look forward to welcoming listeners back to uh, the next episode next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.